2: Is an outrage broadcasting live
0: from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What
3: economy are you talking about? It's time
0: for Mortgage
3: Matters.
4: All right, everybody, good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hope you all had a great 4th of July. It's the 7th already. It's basically almost Christmas. We're like. You know what I mean? You get a little bit of summer here. Next thing you know, it's going to be September. Get your Thanksgiving plans on the books. Heck, it's New Year's, basically. Yeah. Get ready to start writing 2019. It doesn't feel
5: like Christmas outside, though, <laughs> right now, dude. Just something no. in the air does not feel like Christmas. I think
6: it's the 90-degree weather before 9 a.m. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, Probably. it's fun showing up to the radio station. Uh, studio here to all these fans i always knew that one day we would walk (laughs) in and we would be overwhelmed uh, by uh, fans just fans everywhere and it's like i hope you guys aren't hearing these fans in the microphone because they're i mean they're everywhere Uh, and they're making noise so many
6: fans yet not a single (laughs) autograph signed
4: this morning (laughs) Uh, the the uh Air conditioners on the fritz here. At least that's that's yeah. this is the kind of thing my dad would tell me when I was right. little. No, son, we can't run the air conditioner. It's broken.
5: Yeah, it's amazing that it happens mm-hmm. on the weekend when the management's not is here.
4: gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
6: And really, yeah. how many weekends is it this necessary to have air conditioning yeah. in San Luis Obispo? Well, like
4: what five truly, a year? Truly though, no. <laughs> truly though. No. How many people are in this building right now? This is like a ten thousand square foot building. Yeah,
6: there's like ten people. So it is
4: a it is a uh, really inefficient use of air conditioning to be cooling this studio down for two little two little shows that are running right now. Yeah, well, it's not going to stop me from complaining about it though. I mean, I pay pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to need to talk to John contracts. So Uh you can't just cool off this room. That's that's never possible, Ryan. You Believe to, me, it's cooler than when I walked in here at six thirty this morning, six forty-five. You got to have like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen those HVAC systems though that have like um, bladders that will inflate? So you basically end up with a room, a thermostat in every room, and then when your ducting comes into specific yeah. rooms, there's like an air bladder in them. Yeah that would um inflate to block off that duct if it's a room you're not trying to cool uh. kind of neat. it's like a retrofit thing a way that you can make your house to where it's really efficiently heating and cooling just the rooms that need that um that comfort right yeah well but these
5: amazing windows
6: behind that being me said, are I
4: not don't so know.
5: amazing right now
4: no they're big
5: talk. so they
6: <laughs> their size is amazing but the efficiency i guess is not
4: they're just glass. Okay. Yeah, they're just... They're thick, though. Yeah. Anyway, toasty weather in July already. How long is this hot weather supposed to... Is this...
5: Through Monday, I think. And today or tomorrow are supposed to be
4: hotter than yesterday. See, so, you know, it's already been such a kind of a mild beginning of the summer here. Yeah, it really has. That... um I kind of forget that I live in North County, and I've already kind of jumped on the bandwagon of, well, this is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. we're used to having some hot days. Mm-hmm. This one feels like it came on pretty quick mm-hmm. from some relatively mild weather. Yeah,
5: Monsigno. And now
4: here we are. They're like, all hey, you're going to be 108. Whoa, that's we're not used to that. That's no. unusually. Bad. I
5: live in an AG, and parts of that were 109
4: yesterday. Ugh. But I guess tomorrow is like the peak, though, huh? Yeah. Tomorrow it's going to be even hotter. Great. Then it goes. Do we move to Phoenix? By Wednesday, <laughs> though?
5: <laughs> yeah.
4: Well. Isn't that crazy? Then Monday it goes to 99. Then I'm talking to Tascadero. That's what pulled up on my phone. 99. Tuesday, 92. Wednesday, 85. Thursday, 82 high. Uh,
5: uh, That's
4: 26-point swings here in just a, a couple of days. It says Apparently, the weather thinks it's the Dow. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on my financial job. Another humor,
5: nice. Yeah,
4: but yeah,
5: it's it's no, cooler. You know, it has, it has its ups and downs.
4: <laughs> oh, and but
5: our poor friends at the Golf Talk, who's just down the hall, you know, comes on right after our show. Their studios hotter
4: than this. I just now, you're making me jealous. Yeah. I feel like our show is the hottest show. Well, there's, I didn't say the show. I said studio. Well, that, that <laughs> side of the building is probably getting a little bit more of that full day sun exposure, huh? Yeah. I think so. All right. Well, it's hot wherever you are. Mm-hmm. It's hot. My family went to the beach yesterday. Nice. Went. I think they went to Pismo. I mean, they oh. went to Avalo. Sorry, Avalo. But my wife said it was so hot that um, walking on the sand, even with sandals on, was still like foot burning. And I was like, yeah, well, did you get in the water? Because usually, like, the water around here is cold enough that people don't usually just take a bathing suit into the ocean. She's like, oh, yeah, quite a bit. And I'm like, really? I guess the water temperature must be pretty high, too. can't be the 52 that she wouldn't be hanging out in no 52 degree water. (laughs) um well feels good to be here i haven't yeah a, it's been a while got a little bit of a vacation <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh we're i had to put it we're giving my...
5: you a warm reception back here jason oh Ba-dum-ba-dum, i see what right? you did there <laughs>
4: thank you um yeah i had to put the studio in my gps this morning i was yeah. like what street is it that i turned <laughs> on is it on Zacha lane still
3: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we moved <laughs>
4: I actually did do that one time like a year ago. Just got off the freeway and like a, you know those times where you're just in got such a, things. well you're just going- in such deep thought that yeah. you're not, um, you're just in autopilot mode and you're just not, probably shouldn't be driving, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. So then you bust the turn and as you well know, we slide into these chairs for like a minute to burn. So you can't really afford a wrong turn. I just
6: realized what's wrong. What? I forgot my coffee. Oh, my gosh. I know. Really, Dan? Yeah. You mean
5: to go make you some coffee? I'm sitting here. I'm I'm like,
6: I'm still yawning. I'm like really (laughs) struggling to get into this. And I'm realizing why, because I see that you've got your coffee
5: with you. I'll go make you some coffee so I can go out into the cool green room.
6: Is it cool or are you joking? We
5: should do the show from the green room today. Mm. I've got Can uh, we just
6: pull these mics out and walk around (laughs) with them?
4: That'd be cool. <laughs> kind of like the, yeah. yeah, where the Price is Right guy was always dragging the uh, microphone cable all over the place. Oh, yeah. Not anymore. Um, I have actually here, you might, you want to drink my coffee? No. You're not a big sharer I've, guy. Yeah. I got uh, some of the last grounds of my kawaii coffee. Oh,
6: you brought some back, huh?
4: Yeah. I always bring back a little bit, because they sell it at Costco, Ooh. so it's like cheaper than if you go buy it there. The, the Costco in Kauai, get, get all your local Kauai products there. How was your trip? It was great. It was really fun. Good weather? Yeah. Great weather. It was like 81-ish in the day. A couple days it got up to like 84. Um, but you know the islands are a little humid, right? and most of the days the trade winds blew We had days that I would say are more rainy than kind of usual. You always get rain there. But there were some days where it seemed like we were trying to escape the rain. Like we Mm -hmm. had to go find a place it wasn't. Uh, Not complaining at all. It was amazing. Did you
6: go ATV on those days?
4: No. Didn't do Ah. the ATV thing. Couldn't couldn't bring myself to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I got stuck in like analysis paralysis, man. There was... Couple companies that offered it, different packages, um, just never made it happen. We opted for a, a Zodiac raft tour of the Nepali coast as oh. as the excursion. Never cool. done that before. Brad. Mm-hmm. Went into a bunch of sea caves and um, super cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Watch out for the sea caves.
6: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were just talking about. All the youngsters
4: trapped in Thailand. Yeah, boy,
5: isn't that isn't that crazy? Hmm.
4: It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, in fact, this week I was hanging out with one of the loan officers, and we were um, we were talking about just the the psychological experiment that Ooh. this is for a a young developing mind. Of course, they've got some resources in there now. There's some people can reach them. So there's some doctors, and they're bringing in. Um, things that are needed to try to keep sanity. But I was sharing, I, I went uh, a few years back on one of the trips when we went to Texas. My wife and I went in this uh, cave tour where we went, I, I agreed, I'm a known exaggerator, so I'm about to make some claims, so let's just asterisk them now and I'll say it anyway. We went to the deepest, darkest place on earth in this um, Texan cave and... They actually said, they made some claim that it was really one of the very few places where you could experience complete blackout, mm. and um, they sort of warned before you went into this final room that for some people, you have a matter of um, minutes before you would begin the, like, going into psychosis, because it... And it is a really, really weird phenomenon to be able to shut your eyes and open them as wide as you can, and there be zero difference. And you begin, and really, like you'll begin to see things that just aren't there that your mind is sort of fabricating because of the perfect blackness. Bless you. Um, Anyway, so I I keep thinking about that as like I was just on a tour, man, Uh, but I was overwhelmed with. A feeling of like anxiety and claustrophobia and while i felt safe i also felt like i really wanted to be out of there before anything really had the opportunity to go wrong um and so i that's the thing i keep thinking about is these poor kids especially at that age just not knowing um if and when you're getting out and right. they spent the first 11 days like in, in perfect darkness, darkness. With um, no communication, no idea if they're ever getting rescued. It took a couple divers to finally be able to find them and say, hey, these guys have been found alive. So that's pretty crazy. And um, so, yeah, I I feel just heartbroken for these kids and families thinking about um, if they're going to be able to get, you know. I mean, I I have some faith right now that they're going to be able to get out, but there probably still is lasting impact just from the ordeal it's already been. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
5: well, you know, and you, you see the pictures of the kids, too, and how'd they survive 11 days without food? I'm kind of just wondering if they, what the water, is, you know, what the water was like, too. I don't know. So I don't know.
4: Crazy, just, crazy. thinking
5: in a cave it might be fresh water, but somehow, I don't know.
4: Well, here's the hoping and praying they get rescued quickly. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. Do you remember that other... uh Those guys. What was the miners that got Uh, trapped? The Chilean miners. Yeah, they had to drill the, uh, drill the hole, and then the basket rescue thing. That was insane. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, All right, here. Well, is there? Oh, I forgot. See, it's been so long since I've been here. look where the The clock clock used to be. I'll move the clock back down under the console. Our commercial clock is now behind me, which is really helpful. You could at least put a mirror on the wall. You know. That points at it. All right, guys, it's it's sure to be a hot show today. So, Thanks for tuning in. We're going to do the first commercial break here, take some time out to thank the sponsors. These guys helped make the show possible, so appreciate you lending them an ear and your support where you can. And we'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters.
0: Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832.
1: If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gain's locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Four.
4: Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure,
1: or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step 1 is to get pre-approved. Just call loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 605-4783. MLS number 328-358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live
2: here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
4: Different kind of heat wave, but I see what you're trying to do. I'm trying to go with songs
5: about hot town. Yeah, I'll probably
4: go with uh, the. It's a lot of options. I'm excited to see what you come up with. (laughs) Well, of course, there's some some stuff not related to. caves and heat that we can (laughs) talk about today since this is a real estate mortgage show yeah Uh, real estate economics i should say uh yeah and oh man there was a jobs report there's a lot to discuss this is going to be an exciting an exciting couple of hours here um fed meeting minutes i mean it's just it's all here I was when I was driving in today. I thought I can't. I always try to sort of reflect on my drive. It takes me it takes me about twenty minutes to get here. Twenty two minutes. So I usually have some time to think about. I try to think about successes that I had that maybe we want to talk about. I try to think about you know kind of pitfalls or failures that we might be able to help other people avoid. I also usually think about the general climate and um, just about how things are going. Does it seem like it's just all more of the same? And then also, like what what seemed to be the common theme this week? And um, I was reticent to even bring this up, but I'm just going to anyway, because I got to ask you if you're hearing it too. I got asked this week about a bubble or... The bubble, a real estate bubble, like I even a value saw bubble, yeah, and I even saw I didn't click on the dealio, but I saw a real estate agent um that's pretty prominent in Tascadero send out like his own white paper on the B word and then you know want to talk about the bubble, and so, um, yeah, I was kind of curious, are you hearing this too? No, I'm not tired of talking about it? tired of hearing about it? I no, feel like you know, I am a little bit.
6: I think it's a good thing to always have in the back of your mind. I think that's something that collectively we should all be thinking about and discussing so that no one's caught off guard. Um so I I think it's good to talk about it and I think that'll help prevent a bubble if everybody's aware of the possibility. Sure. Um I I still just based on the inventory, the demand, the, you know, the, the various things, I, I just don't see the bubble. I, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a variety of housing related numbers, including nationally supply down below three months. Yeah. All of the sales numbers are down year over year because of lower inventory. Right. Um, the low end of housing, I think it's it was I rattled off a bunch of different, you know, hundred thousand dollar price categories and up to like the five hundred thousand price category, everything below five hundred thousand has seen less activity than years prior. In and terms of volume of
4: volume sales. Volume of
6: sales. So we're just all the sales are skewing towards the well, higher end. But the
4: days on market are dropping. Right. Um, yeah, and like you said that People get a little bit confused because these headlines kind of make it a slant. It's like, well, existing home sales are down. Yeah, it's down. It, but and, and yeah, that's probably a bad thing, but it's not probably the bad thing that the average um, person reading that headline would believe it is. Um, it's really saying it's not that there are a bunch of homes being offered for sale that aren't selling. That's not why existing home sales right. are down. Existing home sales are down because there are simply fewer homes being offered for sale. Um, and in and in tandem there, the homes that are being offered for sale are selling immediately at phenomenal terms to the seller. Mm-hmm. So um, anyhow, yeah, that I, I don't want to do the normal soapbox thing where we go cite off all the reasons why, but it seems to me that it's just really best simply a supply and demand issue. And I don't really see supply or demand changing very much in the coming months or year or two. Now, granted, there are some broader economic things that, you know, obviously if we go through an economic cycle, it could change things a little bit. Uh, in terms of maybe we won't experience the 7% average annual appreciation we've been seeing for the last however many years. Um, That's where I'm at. I, I think the biggest
6: threat, if you will, to this real estate real estate appreciation cycle. You kind here, of went British
4: right there. <laughs> real estate. Real
6: estate. <laughs> um, yeah. The biggest threat to this appreciation cycle is just affordability and lack of wage growth. Right. At some point with without wages keeping up with the 7 or 8 or 9% home price appreciation at some point people just can't afford to buy the ever more expensive home and so it's just going to there's going to be a plateau but i don't see the bubble cuz when i think of bubble i think of something popping and deflating right i don't see that i see a plateau if anything
4: yeah we could all agree whether or not you're on the um the bubble side of things or not, we'll all agree that real estate as an asset class is very well valued right now. Yeah. It's been stable and increasing for a long time. Um, Even if we don't understand yet when or how, we believe that there is likely uh, some stabilization there. Um, And in any normal stabilization, you might find a period of flat value or maybe slightly declining values. Um, I'm nowhere near prepared to say that I think we see that in the next 18 months. Um, But bubble, bubble would suggest that there's a lack of confidence. Well, a lack of confidence, you know, and or um, that it's being girded up by some temporary or false... Um, valuation that's just unsustainable. And I don't see that, again, just because of supply and demand. And then also the fact that we all are using such amazing fixed rate secure mortgages to be able to make these purchases. And we've seen the rental market keep its stride right alongside the purchase market. So, um, But like you said, there's a lot of housing numbers that tie into this too. And then it in, in that conversation of that broader economy, we have a jobs report to talk about and a couple of news articles, too, I read this week that I thought were pretty interesting. So I'd like to scratch through some of the real estate side of this. Um, new home sales gained almost 6.5% in May. The seasonally adjusted rate of uh, selling newly constructed, never lived in before homes is 689,000. Um, the southern region is experiencing the biggest jump in sales at just about 18 percent new home sales in the south were the highest since 2007 Um, they had an annual rate of 409 so that's a a big part of where some of the growth in the united states is happening in terms of the new homes Um, for a little bit of perspective New homes have averaged just over 650,000 new homes a year since 1963. The high water mark is probably not going to surprise you. was July of 2005 where we hit uh, $1.389 million. Um, And remember that era, right? They were building them everywhere. You could get a new home with those credit card offers you were receiving in the mailbox every time you walked out there. And the all-time low in new home sales hit in February of 2011 was 270,000 new homes. So, again, this May seasonally adjusted rate for the year was 689,000. 1.4 at the top and then 270,000 at the bottom. So we're healthily in the middle there. Um, I believe this is worth talking about it helps shed a little bit of light on it because this is where if you want to talk about the bubble um that b word um talk about what what's on the horizon what's happening and what's on the horizon for the supply side and the answer is it's um chopping along pretty darn close to average Yeah, 50-year average. After having been well below average for an extended period of time. So, to me, that's real scientific evidence for a lack of supply, which is going to continue to uh, manipulate the prices in an upward fashion. That's what we've been seeing. um, Because during that, like you said, that 50-year average population growth has... um, it's been like an isotopic curve. This is not a this is not a flat uh, or stable or declining curve here on population growth. So we know as a nation, uh, you got to unless people are more and more living in manufactured homes uh, or some kind of mobile home or some RV, uh, we know where they're where these homes are being added and at what rate they're being added at. It's actually relatively simple um, to keep track of. Let alone all the homes that we lose to natural disaster, like fires, floods, um, you know, things like that. Homes just wearing out due to age. So that's new home sales. To give you kind of an idea of how that ties into a little bit of this uh, bubble talk. Dan, you mentioned pending home sales. And this week we got the pending home sales figure for the month of May. They declined 0.5%. They're at a four month low. Um, They've declined year over year for five straight months. And, um, you know, bottom line, just kind of backing what what you guys were talking about previously, there's fewer homes being offered for sale, consequently fewer homes uh, being sold. And um, so that's sort of the status of real estate. We've been saying this for a while. The supply is low. The demand is high consequently the prices are high um let's talk jobs a little bit because this this ties into like you're saying what's on the horizon here the most obvious place that we go is to a place where the average employee the average worker can't afford the average home right
6: yeah that's the story not just in california not just in san luis obispo the whole nation is experiencing this lack of affordability. I think when you look at all the major metros around the country, it's somewhere around a, th- a quarter to a third of people can afford the median home, can afford home ownership. And we we talked about this a week or two ago with a caller. When we talk about affordability, we're talking about roughly one third of your gross monthly income going towards housing. Yes, someone probably makes enough money to afford rent, but they also need to afford food, clothes, utilities, health insurance, and just basics, right? Just the basic Betting on the angels <laughs> Right? and your sports betting. No, seriously, though, just the basics to survive above and beyond shelter. So when we talk about affordability, we're talking about what the average earner can buy with approximately one third of their gross monthly income going towards the housing payment, right?
4: And by the way, that's a sort of a nationally um, established and accepted metrics of what you should be paying. But just, just real quick to run back through that, um, you said gross. So
6: you have already, yeah, that's before you give one third of it to right. Uncle Sam in taxes.
4: Yeah. Well, and you know, <laughs> so it's really about
6: half your take home pay.
4: Yeah, and a lot of other things in life, I think, have gotten more expensive since then, too. I mean, I understand inflation is that relatively things change. Uh, they go up kind of, for the most part, pretty stably. Um, but there's no doubt we've got uh, expenses like gasoline, um hear it when it hits my microphone
6: i'm trying those, to those
5: fans He's trying to do the fan over there man you want me to move the fan Jason? there we go there no
4: you know. i just it was blowing straight to jim right in between well, me why? and dan why shouldn't it blow? right straight? on jim's face why and so i was like you know blow? what i why? recognize the shape of this kind of fan this is an oscillating fan no.
5: <laughs> yeah well i'm just wondering now why i, I should- know why yeah but it should it shouldn't it blow straight on me well right you you're
6: trapped back there I with mean, all the hot on. equipment right look
5: yeah. at all those
4: lights <laughs>
5: yeah i got all the wonderful windows that nobody cares about today because right. it's so hot outside anyway
4: so anyhow your gross pay mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm dealing with this right now um so my my eldest son just got his first bona fide job cool uh yeah i'm super proud of him um, you know, he's on the high school golf team, and so he's, those are kind of the people in his life now as his golf coaches and the people at the golf course. Whenever I do get to go to the golf course with him, um, you know, he, he knows everyone, right? right? Spends a lot of time there. So anyhow, he said he wanted to work there, so he got an application. He turned it in. He hounded his golf coach to talk to the gal that manages the course. And so he's going to get to be the guy that cleans out the golf carts. And, you know, kind of cool, though, right? I mean, think about all the first jobs you get out. That's kind of cool. So anyways, he's he's got this job. And so I could see him. He's over there, and he's, like, doing the math. And he's like, hey, Dad, how much money do they take for taxes? (laughs) And I just remembered... You know, I remember my first job, I worked, um, I asked to work uh, full time through my winter break because, you know, I was in school and I just, I wanted to earn some money, like and not, not a paycheck, 57 bucks. I wanted like, I had a goal and I wanted to earn some money. And so I did all the math and I had it worked out and I knew what I was going to get. And when I picked my paycheck up that Friday morning and I opened up that envelope, just Robbery what there's been an error nobody go anywhere nobody move somebody in accounting is grossly incompetent and i'm looking at this thing and i'm like whoa and it was all these things i never heard of before you know these abbreviations this FICA guy he never i never saw him once yeah
5: uh but what's what's ssi what's yeah (laughs) yeah
4: for a 13-year-old uh, boy, I don't need to be paying house. any of this stuff. My dad already yeah. pays all that for our house. <laughs> yeah. Believe me. Yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, like you know the feeling. We yeah. all know the feeling. As long as you've ever had a job, uh, you know the feeling. And so um, anyhow, in this world of affordability, they use a third of your gross income. So it's not your actual cash. So you're actually, I would argue, pinched a little bit more than you might think. Um, and then also that helps you qualify for more than you probably should. Uh, Those are the ingredients to the current crisis, by the way. (laughs) So God forbid that change, and all of a sudden we have to start using your real pay. Suddenly we'll have people that actually can't afford to qualify at a greater rate than we currently do. Um, But yeah, so that being said, like you said, in the metros, uh, the average wage is not buying the average home. Uh, And yet there's still crazy competition Mm -hmm. Um, we'll just i just want to keep citing that back to this supply and demand issue Um, so anyhow this jobs report sheds a little bit of light on what the situation now and um you know and here we go we're we just are getting these numbers for june um you know earlier i ingest said it's nearly christmas but really we are through the first half of the year and arguably this first quarter is always a little bit slower of course now we're finishing up with the the second quarter here but um we're starting to get a look of what the trend line looks like in the jobs market um we expected 195,000 jobs to be created and we topped expectations with 213,000 jobs That's another strong month for job gains, Um, and it's kind of impressive that it arguably, uh, I say arguably because we could find people that want to take both sides of this, but we're talking about an economy that's arguably at full employment, right? You would think,
6: but more and more people keep... Coming out looking for jobs as the hiring continues to remain strong. So rather than seeing a strong hiring number and an empl- unemployment rate that falls, we saw unemployment actually go up two
4: tenths. Yeah, this is one of those. 4%. This is one of those months where seeing the unemployment rate increase—it's a good thing—is a good thing. And I know that's weird. There's probably listening today. There are some people that are saying, "Wait, what? Why would you like to see the unemployment rate go up?" The unemployment rate is a measurement of how many people there are um, seeking jobs that are um, unable to find them. And in this case, what we find is when the labor market gets really strong, or it's, or it's firming, I should say. It's hard to know whether this is really strong or not. Um, but when it's firming the way that it is, more people are coming out to join the labor force that were perhaps disinterested before. Um, due to the condition of the labor market. So, um, yeah, we see that participation rate go up. um, See that number go up, even though we're creating good jobs. Um, Still a
6: sign of the slack that remains. It's a very difficult to measure um, situation. I I feel like we, we keep looking at the unemployment rate itself, trying to look at that as a gauge for full employment. You, you know, we've been taught to believe that three and a, three to 5% unemployment is, is full employment. And here we are firmly in the middle of that, if not at the lower for end an of extended
4: that extended period of time. Yeah,
6: and we've been there. So we've been, you know, it's believed that we're at full employment yet we're continuing to see slack with more people entering the workforce. And that's continuing to keep that wage growth component of this jobs report down um, you know, it's not an it's not a bad number, but we saw year over year uh, wage increases at two point seven percent, basically keeping up with inflation. So, in when you account for inflation, it's really flat growth and not keeping up with home price appreciation.
4: Yeah, seven percent a year, right? <laughs> it's about a third of home price appreciation. So like you said, if there's an intersection out there, and I don't even know if it's as much an intersection as a divergence of two lines on a graph where home affordability and wage growth need to be tracking, they're Mm ever-widening. That's undisputable, which means if you already own a home, hey, good for you. Now just... You're just loving that extra equity (laughs) that you're adding up. Um, But if you don't, it makes it feel pretty desperate to be able to find your way into this housing market.
6: Well, and Um, how much of the inventory issue do you think is that? People who are already in enjoying that appreciation, enjoying that growth of equity. um, Do you think there's people that might be interested in selling, but they're just like... It's kind of like you know if you equate it to gambling, not knowing when to...
4: To stand up and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, in fact, you know what, Dan? I I want to answer your question completely, and I it'll shock you to know that I have some strong opinions on that <laughs> topic. But we need to do the commercial yeah. break here to get this through. But, yeah, I want to yeah. tell you um, after the break about my theory about why it is, in fact, compounded by people that um, – aren't just, aren't making the move right now. And I I do, I think I have some great reasons why. So let's go ahead and do the final commercial break here of this hour. And we'll be back in a couple minutes for more Mortgage Matters.
0: To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages
1: from our sponsors. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gain's locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Hi, this
4: is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no
1: last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543Low. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 605 MLS number 328-358. We're the mortgage experts. Central Coast, Central Central Coast Coast Lending. Lending.
0: You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
3: On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for Norway, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep So we took turns of staring Out the window at the darkness The boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces And knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces
5: you got, got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know All when right. to walk away, and know when to run. You, you never count, count your
4: money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time so. counting when the deal is done. All right, DM, that's enough singing. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Well, you know, you said something about the taking the gavel yeah, risk right. and then it's hot. Warm summer's evening and the lyrics here. And then get Yeah, perfect. and this
4: real estate market that's like a runaway train. Yeah. Bound for nowhere. There it is, see? <laughs> but bubble town just boom. Um Ask your question again. Do you remember it still? So?
6: Yeah. It has to do with inventory and is, is some of our supply or lack of inventory issue in housing. Is it related to people hanging on for more and more appreciation? Ah, oh, if we, if we wait another six months, our house will be worth another 20 grand and then we should sell. That'll be the peak. That's when we should unload this property and take our money and run.
4: I don't doubt that. Uh, you only ever know the peak or the trough in hindsight. When it's in the rear view. Mode. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and then it's so clear. Right. Or is it? I mean, we still look back at that 2006 and it's like, oh, was it July or was it December? Uh, well, and it's different for each each local market. Whatever. Um, I don't think you can time it very well. Um, you know, and, and this is part of the conversation that I was having with a first time homebuyer this week is like, look. If you have a long-term plan, you don't really um, need to worry very much about whether you're, you know, going to buy and see things correct and then stabilize to flat values for a couple years, or maybe they go down five or ten percent. Those are kind of normal things. And if you have a five or ten-year plan, that doesn't really worry you. Um, if you're an existing homeowner. Uh, just want to address you. You're the guy that wants to move either out of the state or within your own city. You're like, I want to move and I'm just waiting for the perfect time. If you're going to buy real estate again, I don't think it matters. You're already staked in the real estate economy. And, um, you know, you're going to buy now and have it correct. You're going to miss the sale and have it correct. You're going to be riding out some kind of a stabilization in the in the uh, the mortgage real estate environment may as well be in the house you want to be in so any one of those people that are, that are own real estate that are like waiting to trade up I don't really understand that yeah you're gonna get more for your sale sure you're gonna pay more for the home you're buying and in terms of your property taxes, that's not exactly a great strategy. If you're about to make a move where you're going to acquire a home that's a little bit of a move-up house where you're going to be there for 10 years, buy it when the taxes are It's lowest. actually better to
6: buy for the
4: purchase to occur yeah. sooner. Um, and so, and then the other thing, too, is is part of the lack of existing home sales just due to people that maybe want to sell but aren't, I do believe that's true. But here's really why. Um, and this, I see a lot of, if you bought a home in 2012, you have made on average 200,000, $300,000 equity in our County. Okay. But if you sell that cash that in right away, you have to buy something at new higher property taxes. And chances are you have an interest rate that's in the low three percent. Today's interest rates nearing five. So are you eager to cash in that loan that you, you can't replace, you can't transfer that loan? So there's a variety of reasons why I think people that ordinarily would sell are seeing a part of the cycle right now where they're really not interested in selling uh, because it for taxes and their current interest rate, it just makes sense for them to um, look for that satisfaction in their current home. So it's less about the...
6: Appreciation and more about the. I think just
4: keeping your overhead low affordability. Yeah, keeping your overhead low, and you know, and that's another thing I see with first-time homebuyers, and watching them, you know, after two, three, four, five years, and they buy their second home, they trade up into their, you know, move-up home. When you go from paying two thousand dollars a month in rent to twenty-seven hundred dollars in mortgage. That feels pretty wild, right? It's a leap. And at the same time, usually depleting a substantial amount of your reserves. Uh, you're getting gifts from mom and dad. You're really rubbing pennies together. And there's a lot of nervousness there, right? Am I making the right decision in this economy, with my job, with this house, with this loan, with this lender, with these realtors? It's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's very stressful. And you just see that person, sort of like, man, I, I more or less feel like I'm moving forward in blind faith that I'm not making the biggest decision of my life um, incorrectly. But then you see them two years later, and the rents in their neighborhood are now up to where their mortgage payment is. they they realize that they made a good investment. They're happy with the property, even if they have a wants list now to move to something else. You kind of get in, and you tread water for a little while, and then you start to realize, hey, we're swimming, we're not sinking, and then you sort of relax a little. And so that's the thing that I like to to tell first-time homebuyers is like, hey, look, that's the emotional piece that I think every first-time homebuyer goes through. And of course, some people are going to time the economy better than others just by dumb luck. I mean, obviously, none of us have any control over how strong the broader U.S. economy is and whether you're going to step into a soft spot or buy in at the front side of a white hot heater. You just never know what you're going to get. Um, and so that, that feeling, though, I think, and then once, if you are two or three years in, right, and you're like, dang, I got a pretty good deal. My taxes are low and I got a really good loan. And you're looking around and you're going, man, I'm super stoked that I'm not buying today where my payment would be $1,200 a month more for the exact same home. Wow. And, you know, and I can't tell you too, plenty of people come into my office and and they want to say, hey, what does it look like? Saw a house down the road, it's one of these houses we always drive by, really like it. It's $200,000 more and our house has gone up by 200 grand. What's that look like? Oh, here you go. It's twelve hundred dollars more a month, and they look back and they go, "Whoa, I was thinking five or six hundred bucks or something, but um, we're good." And, and it really quickly um, is no longer a possibility. Thank you. That's we're totally resolved to just be happy where we are now. And I think that's probably because for most people, if you're doing all right and your budget's comfortable, you're meeting some savings goals and. Um, you know, or maybe you've, maybe now you're looking at having a baby and so you can have a work from home day or maybe a spouse that falls into working half time or something. Those things are all afforded by the fact that you have a good deal and just rushing out to keep up with that next move up house at the higher tax rate, the higher interest rate, the higher sales price. Um, I just don't think many people are headed there and uh, we keep, every month we get consumer confidence, right? Mm-hmm. We don't talk about consumer confidence very much on the show. Why? It's kind of boring. They ask the questions. There's a couple broad, um, you know, research groups that take a broad sampling of people. Oh, how are you feeling about blah, blah, blah. And people are like, oh, I feel pretty good. And it's been high for a long time. Um, and I, I just, I don't know that confidence really matters all that much. But for you, when you look around, um, there's some stuff that's expensive healthcare. We've sort of lost focus of that a little bit lately. It's stupidly expensive and it feels like maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like every time I turn around, the coverages are being stripped down too. I'm like, what am I paying this much for? Go in for some lab work. And all of a sudden I get a bill for 200 bucks. Like, whoa, remember when you could just buy lab work for hundred bucks? Anyway, looking at your monthly bills, if things are comfortable, even though you might have a little bit of confidence, you got to know that there's a shakeup coming at some point, whether that's at the pump or your health insurance or whatever, at some point, you know. So I think for that reason too people are just like, "Hey, I just am, I'm okay with status quo." And those are keeping homes off the market, which are perpetuating the supply and demand problem. So All right, guys, it's time for the the top-of-the-hour commercial break, which means we'll be out for about five minutes. Dan can finally get some coffee, which might wake him up for the second hour. And uh, I might even go outside and see if it's cooler outside than it is here in this studio. (laughs) Jim looks like he's having a heat stroke right now. His hair's all Uh, up.
5: It's all bad. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a few
4: minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. Hope you stick around.
3: Sidewalk harder than a match here. But at night it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night. Just by the heat it'll be alright and babe. Don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer, in the city, in the summer, in the city. I'm not
4: gonna say yeah. there's uh, not great music happening today, but yeah. doesn't it sometimes seem like the like originality yeah. of this Love and pretty amazing? Yeah, yeah.
5: Somebody was commenting on this too. The um, the lead singer looks like a cross between John Lennon and Ray Manzarek at the Doors. I think it was the Doors. I think the Doors, but anyway, John Lennon definitely. Yeah crazy huh yeah <laughs> cool song yeah. yeah hot song
4: summer in the city <laughs> yeah. summer in rural california yeah crazy huh? um gosh where were we we were just so hard up. focus on all this heat, <laughs> We were man. just finishing
6: up the jobs talk and how it correlates to housing. Um, I wanted to just round out that employment report and let you know where some of the hirings occurring. We saw quite a bit of the hiring done in just white collar professional firms. They those jobs represented fifty thousand of the two hundred and thirteen thousand added. Manufacturers added 36,000 jobs. Healthcare providers, 25,000. Construction companies added 13,000 new workers. So let's see. Any big reductions? Looks like retail um, sh- lost 22,000 jobs after hiring 25,000 the month prior. Hmm. So
4: there we go. In case you were wondering... There were 6.7 million job openings. I saw recently that there's
6: more job openings than people seeking jobs. Right. For the first time in a while. Just got to be willing to commute. Get you a bus pass. Commute or work for whatever wage is being offered at this
4: point. Or move. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So it's neat. I like getting this report every month. I also like, um, you know, and, and usually we do try to leave this. We schedule it to where this show is you and I so that we can talk about this jobs report. It's, it's, um, you know, all in all, the last few months we've seen um, usually some reason to believe that the wages component is... Firming up or getting brighter, and then this month is pretty much a, a regression in that field. So that's a that's a little bit of a, a disappointing thing. But um, man, it's got to make you wonder. Though we've talked for so long about what it's going to take, when is it going to be? And it's you know, common sense to me says if you got a sign in your window, help wanted, and no one's coming in to apply you're probably going to have to pay more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just keep thinking, one of these days, we're just going to see that wages, there it is. That's what it took. Like you said, there's more jobs open than people looking. Uh, How is that not leading to... Full employment. Full employment (laughs) and rapidly increasing wages. Yeah. Because if you have... A job. You know, if I'm the widget maker and you're a widget, you're, you're a widget employee. If I need to steal you away, I got to recruit you with the promise of something better and what better than good old fashioned greenbacks benefits.
6: Last week we were talking about how one of the big negotiating points in employment today is how many days a week can I work from home? Oh, that's cool. Because a lot of those people living in big cities have pretty rough
4: commutes so you said you said benefits and um this is one of the things that i think that um you know obviously we, we know healthcare has been a pretty political thing for a long time and i really think that that's at the heart of the the matter here which very few people are talking about um because you're not gonna, you don't want to see this covered by any of the the big media outlets and get the politicians involved, but you want to know why wages are stagnant. If you're <laughs> at a job that you're getting health care for,
6: your employer's been giving you a twenty percent raise every year, yeah,
4: just because of the change in cost of health care, getting gouged on it, yeah, and and I know there are places where. Um, the healthcare expense at least portions of it are passed through the employee too um but there you go that's a big component of it yes. and and you know we don't you kind of forget where it all adds up but you know we had some uh some new laws on the books a few years back that were l- related to affordable care which required employers of certain amounts of employees to provide coverage and um yeah Uh, Dan, you cut that check for our business. So is it really 20% a year? The last few years it has been. It's been about a 20% increase in premium the last two or three years in a row. So if I, I mean, and how many businesses are, um, have a 20% profit margin? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I think you're in a pretty Mm -hmm. good place if you can mark a bikini up 20%, um, mark a car wash up 20%. You know, by the time you take into consideration what it costs today uh, to to run a business, I, I don't know that there's a greater than 20% margin on most things. So employers are attempting to balance that price to the consumer to keep it profitable enough to pay all this overhead. And obviously, the part that's getting pinched is the American worker. And I'm going yeah. to argue that it's largely based on health care, but... Uh, you know, right, wrong, or otherwise. I'm not going to suggest that it shouldn't be. Uh, everybody needs health care. And in our mature society, should have access to health care. But um, finding that equilibrium of what the cost is has been pretty painful for many employers for the last, I don't know, what have what we been doing now? Five years? Six years? I don't know. Brutal. There was an article this week tying into that job stuff a little bit which i thought was interesting um many of the the big news agencies covered this same topic here but the headline um is pretty consistent employers are finally ready to talk about how much they pay did you see this no um gosh i wanted to i wanted to start with this um this line and i don't know Oh, here it is this is a This is a quote i 'm just going to read you from the body of this article. It says, "Many of us who entered the workforce a longer time ago entered into a culture where you didn 't talk about pay. Mm. Today, people are much more comfortable discussing what they earn, and I remember Especially like our the first mortgage company we worked for right out of college where there was a bunch of college kids. There were some people that had been on the job for a little while. There were also some people that were perfectly wet behind the ears. Uh, there's a little bit of difference in what people pay, got paid. But you want to know a surefire way to get yourself into deep doo-doo with management? Go have that conversation at lunch. How much do you make? What's your bonus? What kind of salary are you getting? Um, I totally felt like, man, I don't, I don't feel like people should be talking about that at work. Um, but this whole article is talking about how, um, there's a handful of employers now that are really enjoying the transparency of just saying, Hey, they're posting it now in the break room. Here's the name. Here's the names of all of our employees and how much money they make. Uh, kind of an interesting thing, right? Um, it's, it's a neat thing to think about if you're talking about an employer that's being fair and paying people based on that experience, based on that, you know, time with the company and, and uh, you know, they're just having that compensation data out there for everyone to kind of feel good about um, or to stir up those conversations that really need to happen, um, that's an interesting thing. Uh, you're familiar with the um, the business Glassdoor? Mm-hmm. Glassdoor has been around for a little while now. It was an
6: underwriting tool for a while where underwriters would go to try to get an idea of what a reasonable salary is for a particular sure. profession and title back in the old stated
4: income underwriting days. Yeah, because if, if you show up and you're a taxidermist, I really have no experience with that, but... Here you're saying you make 150 grand a year. That sounds crazy. You put makeup on dead animals. Let me go look. So go over to Glassdoor, check it out, and but you know you end up with a report. Oh, taxidermists in your area make this on the high side, this on the low side, and this is where the the majority of people will earn when they're in the taxidermy field. So Glassdoor has been trying to do this to help people. um, I think. Employees know what to negotiate for, right? Um, I mean, the name says it all. You can see into that room. There's no more of this posturing behind closed doors, where we don't know what what is a fair salary and who's being paid the same in other competing companies for the same role. Um, so, kind of an interesting thing. Um, they said on Glassdoor, one of the quotes that was cited in this article is that less than 10% of employers include pay information and in job listings, yet 98% of job seekers want pay data before applying to jobs. So we might be entering into this new era where everyone's salaries posted on the wall and that information is a little bit easier to get. Pros and cons, I, I venture to guess it leads to higher wages. Possibly.
6: I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the pay equality issue. Um, yeah. You know, fair, You know, equal pay for equal work kind of thing. But at the same time, it's just not that simple in my view. And maybe I'm different because I am an employer. Um, but to me some employees shine. They always go above and beyond the, you know, what's required of the position. They have just an amazing attitude. It's, you know, the customers feel it, feel that difference in, in the, you know, just the professionalism or the commitment to doing a good job or whatever. And even if that you know you have two employees that do the same position but one of them does it with a greater enthusiasm and all that i feel like it's warranted to pay them more for that my worry is that when you start posting all the jobs with all the pay rates that you're you're now pigeonholed into well you're this is your job so this is what you get paid even though you do a great job i'd love to give you more i can't because then i'd have to raise everybody's pay that has your same job and it wouldn't be equal you kind of you might actually dumb down the effort you know retard the effort of your employees disincentivizing them to go above and beyond to
4: show you that they're more valuable um oh i have so many thoughts here um my first one was just like, and could you imagine that, like, as you're saying, if you're really in tune with your business, and, and you are, I mean, you, you're in there all day, every day, so you know who those people are that are doing a great job and the ones that are um, doing an exceptional job, right? But just imagine the scrutiny you get where the person doing the great job is a man or you know then the person doing the exceptional job um is a woman or a man or of some race you know some other race or ethnic group where all of a sudden people can look come in here and say hey well look at this look at this um dan and jason it looks like they'll pay They'll just pay a minority more, um, and I'm, you know, and I, I'm not. So I just, I, there's no future for me in my company. Whereas you're like, no. And if we were being honest about it, it's because that person works circles around you with a great attitude. Um, those, I feel like that's probably one of the greater risks. And um, yeah, like you said, if if anything, it probably prevents somebody from um, from wanting to give a raise. Uh, or really put somebody on a path that is like rewarding their outstanding behavior because now everybody else gets to look and say, "Well, uh, why does Susie get more? We do the same job. We both stuff forty envelopes an hour." You know, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting an interesting thing here. Um, feels like feels like it's a. a a little bit of a a test here on what what's the right way to do it going forward and i suspect in some cases it's going to backfire in some people's faces that their their idea was really to have more transparency in their workplace and so that their employees could all feel better about the way the company's being led and who's being compensated for what but there'll be some unintended consequences of that
6: yeah at the same time, I think the pros of that known pay scale for different jobs is that as an employer, you don't have to worry about your employees talking about their pay and then someone coming to you and saying, Well, you know, I know that other people are getting paid more for doing this job and I'd like to be considered for a well, raise. Well, dude, when
4: I, so. Caltrans, <laughs> when I worked at Caltrans, when I worked at Caltrans, you have a job and your job has, there's a, like a book for your job. And you could be like the dude one, right. the dude two, the dude three. And then you flip, okay, well, I'm a dude two. That's what I got promoted from dude one to dude two. So I open up to page 27A, and there's the schedule for dude two. And then at, um, 500 hours and 1,000 hours and 2,000. I get a review with a mandatory 3% pay increase when I hit mm-hmm. 2,000 hours. So now I'm like dude two with 2,000 hours. I'm like moving up. And yeah, there's uh, there's little reviews and stuff, but I never felt like they were quite as much about um, – it was like the Bob sit down. It's like, well, right. Jason, we really like you. and And – you know, we see you here a lot. So you 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 must be here a lot and uh we just think you're you're just doing a bang up job and it's like, yeah, I'm working in environmental writing permits and things, you know, about red-legged frogs for a turnout in Big Sur and you have no idea how well that's going. But we're here because I I hit 2000 hours and sheet 28A of dude 2 means I'm getting a raise. So Let's do that.
6: See, and there's no subjectivity in that. There's no room for, oh, well, what's enthusiasm worth? What's professionalism worth? It's about how many hours have you been there? And so everything's so objective. But once you start to hit
4: enough, like, so now you're dude three and you got to make it to some crazy hours to get another meaningless raise. So now I need to transfer. I need to move to transportation. That's where the money is. So I need to get out of environmental into transportation. Now I'm going to interview, you know, for a subdued one that's going to start at a higher pay rate, but I get to move over into transportation, make my more money there. It, you know, it kind of becomes about that published posting. To be honest with you, um, that stuff is so readily available in government work. That's a huge reason why I ended up in the mortgage business. I was a city and regional planning major. Um, When I graduated, Mel and I already had Trey, so we were already a a family needing some income. And I was like, well, I did that math, right? Like we were talking earlier in the show, you got to figure out what's it take to live in your town. And I was like, well, if I'm going to stay in San Luis as a single income family of three with a dream of home ownership, it's 100 grand. You got to make 100 grand. Um, ideally, you're going to figure out how to pull the hat trick and make more than that. But you need to, if you're going to be a single income family owning a home in San Luis Obispo, you need to make 100 grand. So I looked at the planning charts. I think at the time I was working for the city of Atascadero and I lined it out and I was like, oh my God, a gross misstep. I need to work here. I need to become the director of planning, head haunch, in 10 years. I make a hundred grand, and then I was like, "Okay, I need out of here." And I had already left Caltrans, so. But like I said, you need to like get over into transportation if you want to make that a Caltrans. So I'd, I had a couple of other job offers. I looked at them all, and they were all pretty well posted. I'm like, "Uh-uh, I don't have seven years. Like I already have a one year old. I got. I need to hit the ground running." So I went to a job, a, a mortgage job interview, and the guy asked me a bunch of questions. Um, most of which while staring at my shoes, I answered them all the best I could. We got to the final question, which was my question. He said, do you have any questions for me? And I said, yeah, but I, if I put my head down and I work super hard, how many years will it take me to make a hundred grand a year? I mean, this is basically why I even showed up to this coffee shop for this interview. He said, so if you work real hard, you could probably do that in two years in the mortgage business. Shaving off eight years. I wish I didn't have these student loans. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> but you know, that's a that's just one of those things where that. And I guess that's to some degree that that that's a little bit of government work. At least you know the path that you're on. You can budget around that. It's sort of safe. Uh, I don't know. I'd be pretty well vested into a sweet retirement if I stayed on that path. Now as it is, I'm still looking for that sweet retirement.
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hopefully one of my kids is going to like throw a baseball really good. Right. <laughs> still hope for you, man. My boys are, it's all right. I know that ship sailed on them. <laughs> Neither one of them can throw the baseball hard enough for me to retire. <laughs> um, It's KVC o'clock. I know. He moved it for me. That's I nice. moved it, yeah. Thank you. Are you okay? Yeah. Do you need some water? Some water? Maybe we should go cool air. The problem is it's
6: 87 degrees in the studio right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why'd now you have, have to tell me that? And now
4: I
5: have <laughs> three fans because our friends at Golf Talk are done for the day.
4: You can count me oh, as your good. fourth fan. Good. I'm your fourth fan.
5: So now, yeah.
4: I love fan and, hammer. It's uh, warm in this room. It yeah. is. It's toasty. I was kind of thinking if I went, if we did a commercial break and I went and got like my hat wet, that would work <laughs> then hmm. this fan hitting your wet hats and that's a game changer well
6: if i could just stand yeah. right in that doorway behind me and yell into the microphone i'd be cooler but could you hear me not very well yeah. it would you probably know, sound like i'm standing in a hallway yeah
4: having done this radio show for enough years you know when you turn on the radio and you hear somebody that's not close enough to their microphone mm-hmm. and you're like dude <laughs> get on your microphone it yeah. doesn't sound good yeah so that that's not going to work for us, Dan. That mm. being said, you can stretch that thing out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Get, just get an extension. Maybe take it off the mount. And yeah.
5: Maybe the wire. Maybe we could like you know get a couple extra wires. Now, Dan's out in the hallway. Can
4: we uh, hear him?
6: It's test, a lot cooler test, out here, test. I'll tell you that. Is it? <laughs> <It's>
4: <laughs> this lot- room is warm. Yeah. Why? I think they're, th- <laughs> this board and these computers are blowing a lot of hot air around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Maybe it's gonna, us. <laughs> we're going to take a commercial break here to go retrieve our underwear from the freezer. Wow. And uh, when we get back, we have the final half hour of today's episode. So we hope that you'll stick around for more Mortgage Matters.
0: Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling
1: 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gain's locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. 4.
4: Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor,
1: step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts
2: Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
5: Go, rocking it with Glenn fry
6: Beverly Hills Cop, yeah, Cop. yeah. gotta love it.
5: Yeah, Axel
6: Foley. <laughs> Those are
4: entertaining movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Is Eddie Murphy still alive? Heck yeah, yeah. Murphy. I figured still that late. guy was gonna have a cocaine overdose yeah. before 1987.
5: <laughs> no, it's all the ones you think aren't that do. Okay. And then the ones
4: that you think are,
5: Fair uh, they live to be 100 years old. <laughs> <They're right.
4: laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Did you see the leaked scene from the new Top Gun movie? I did not
5: mm. No, I have not. You're privy to this, Jason, and we're not, apparently. Did the
6: you, new Top Gun? You guys haven't even heard this yet? No. Oh, I know
5: that there's a new Top Gun coming out. Oh, good. Wow. scene. No, I have not. Ooh, oh, yeah.
6: Of all the movies that have been redone you know, five times over in our, li- in our short lifetimes already, no one's redone Top Gun mm-hmm. until now. That's cool. Yeah. Top Gun's awesome. Great movie. I wonder if it'll flop. No way. It's impossible. Yeah. I don't,
5: I don't know. It's called There's Top some Gun movies Maverick. There's some movies that should not be redone too because they're so good. Right when they're done originally. Wow. you know.
6: But. But with all the improved, yeah, you know, special effects yeah. and camera tricks CGI and whatnot, effects. I bet
5: it could be pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Really, really amazing. Yeah.
4: I kind of thought the same thing. Because um, if you. Throw a new TV up in your house today and hook up some surround sound. Put Top, on Top Gun, Gun
6: is an amazing test of your surround
4: sound. It's yeah. amazing.
6: <laughs> it's yeah. such a great opening. Yeah.
4: And it's not, I mean, obviously it's not a very like new movie. I mean, I know it's not a movie from the from the 50s, but the technology today is so much better than what they made Top Gun with that I've always thought, man... If this is how good that is to hear a jet rip by you at yep. Mach 2 in your living room, imagine if they put this thing in 4K with like some really good surround sound. I saw a couple of really awesome
6: like fighter jet looking things up in the sky over Morro Bay on 4th of July. Um it was the next day. It was the 5th. Okay. Yeah, two of them doing working on some maneuvers, you know, they're like just banked hard left over over the top of north Morro bay it was pretty awesome it's fun just super loud they were cool okay anyway just wanted to share that
5: <laughs> yeah sorry it took me a minute but the adverse for Area grande and i didn't think that we wanted Area grande in. but yeah
6: yeah, this is
4: great to Aria Ariana Grande. I think he means yeah. Ariana Grande. All right, <laughs> yeah. I can't speak. So you can tell Jim's right. a fan. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, he like Ariana. he like bred her <laughs> with Royal Grande. Yeah, I can't yeah. plan, Grande. Like, uh, no, it's so. Are you hot, talking Mike about course, a city or Ariana? her so, first album? Five. I cities. do know was Ariana Grande, but you know,
5: I just can't. I can't speak right now. Anyway,
4: speaking of which, in Ocean Side. Uh, the house is still there with a chain link fence around it. And mm-hmm. you know, in the movie, it's like an iconic scene and house, but it's a real lush garden around mm-hmm. it. And I can't, I always wonder why doesn't, I mean, obviously Oceanside's not letting them take mm-hmm. the house away. Probably would have been taken away a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But why don't they, maybe they'll use some proceeds from this sequel to dial in that house mm-hmm. and maybe. like, maybe it's going to be in the new movie.
6: Could be. I, I gotta third. say,
5: Kenny Loggins could conceivably be listening to the show. He probably <laughs> does every Saturday morning. So, thank you very much, Kenny, for this song. Anyway,
4: it's currently filming right now. I met Kenny Loggins one night. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's another
6: big story that continues to linger on, and i i I believe it's having an impact on the bond market and mortgage rates and it's tariffs yeah tariffs are continuing to dominate the news cycle it's been two or three weeks
4: now of of a lot of heavy tariff talk it's been long enough that i'm already tired of tariffs (laughs) well i was actually uh reading an article this morning um like i woke up my phone's my alarm right so i turned it off and then i like Flick through a couple of the like news apps and look at the different news stories. I read a story about how the heartland of America um, is already feeling the
6: pinch. They're being targeted specifically. They're you know these other countries are targeting the Trump supporting states and and you know those industries that you would think would traditionally support um, his administration and they're you know they're going after so the the products they're producing
4: and many of those people at least as cited in some of these news articles were saying yeah we're feeling it you know maybe as much as 20 percent we're feeling it um but we still stand behind the message and you know i i try to i try to think for myself you know i don't want to have to have my opinion spoon fed to me by CNN or Fox news. I want to hear an issue and think about it. it's really hard to isolate out the spin that is just naturally existing in mainstream media about things. And I understand you don't have to convince me. I understand that most economists look at trade wars and say damaging, damaging for all in the long run. I get that at the same time. I, I look at it and I think, you know and and by the way, this is like what some of these farmers that they're talking to now about hey the you know price per head on your um, on your pork farm there's dropped by twenty bucks and you know what do you make of that? It says, well I don't like it. And if that's the long-term, if that's the the way this finishes out, it's obviously a bad thing. But I still believe in the mission. And to that, I'm like, I understand that. And imagine if you're in an an industry where you're selling something to China and they're charging you a 25% import tariff, and all the while you see that same good coming back from them to be sold in your town, USA, with no tariff. I understand that that's frustrating, that's maddening, and so I like I look at the terror thing, and I'm like, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's temporary pain, which can be cemented into long term pain if the mission is un- you know unsuccessful. I also understand that desire to want to level the playing field and get rid of some deals that are bad deals and just make it more fair. But at the same time, it's like if if I say okay, okay, Dan, well, here's the new rules. Every time you pass through my hallway, you got to give me ten bucks, and you're like, well, pass through mine and you get twenty. Well, you're coming to the kitchen, and I need to go to the bathroom. So, those are those are really challenging things. And I, you know, I think the one thing that the media misses is that if. If the Trump administration gets some of this right and they win, and some of these tariffs do cause some of these deals just to be made better for some of those agricultural people in the middle, um, that'll be good. Um, if they're if they don't win in the long run and these deals just lead to well we'll charge you more we'll charge you more we'll charge you more, that was when I I'm like I'm I'm laying there in bed and I'm thinking man. That is kind of crazy because we've lost a lot of production. Imagine all the things in your house that come from China versus all the things in your house that you're exporting. Like, what's your business exporting to China? Nada. Right. And I know we've got agriculture in the middle that does depend on exports a lot. Um, In in fact, agriculture is a huge part of the United States economy. um, Really feels like a mess and super scary. Um, And I think that in the short term, the only things I know for sure today is it is impacting the bond market.
6: Yeah. In the short term, we know the bond yields are down because of that uncertainty. These markets don't like uncertainty. They, you know, money will move into the safer, investments during you know when there is uncertainty and so that's what we've seen as the tariff threats and rhetoric has heated up over the past month or more Um, we've seen a bond yield a 10-year bond yield move from north of three percent down back down to two point eight ish two point eight five percent you're hitting on a key issue here which is this tariff strategy that's being employed by the Trump administration is in the spirit of supporting American jobs, right? And supporting American manufacturing. But we've already seen a move of a company trapped in the middle, Harley Davidson, where they've said, Hey, we're not going to let these two countries dictate how we run our business. We're going to take a proactive move and start producing some of our end products that are supposed to be delivered overseas, we're going to start manufacturing overseas so we don't have to pay the tariff.
4: I hear you. You At know, the same we're, time,
6: we're our own entity and we Harley, can make our own decisions. The
4: Harley example, I think is an interesting one too, because it's an American product. Always has been. Um, how many board meetings have they sat down and some youngster in the corner said, Hey, if we move this thing, you're going to make it. And if you stay here in this American factory and work environment, it's just getting more expensive. It's getting harder uh, for all of the things. And they just have said, no, nah, we're an American product and we're staying in America. And this just becomes the tipping point where are say, you know what? It's a, it's a way without suffering all the bad PR of taking your American-made Harley and going to another country um, I got to feel like the writing is on the wall for Harley anyway, competing in a space where um, guys that ride Harleys, and there's some people that are going to be pissed off here when I say this, but guys that ride Harleys, like they like to wear a Harley shirt. Most of them, you know, and it's a, it's an American product, and there's a lot of pride tied to that. Um, they don't make the best product. Looks great. It's iconic. Sounds amazing. In terms of longevity, maintenance, cost, value, comfort, all those things. It's not the best product. So Harley probably actually is using this as a time to make a change that was coming anyway. Um, But, and in the long term, what ultimately happens, like how much of the fact that that was an American company backed by those red-blooded Americans that are like, I'll never ride, you know, insert whatever, different nation made bike here and um they're they're about to hang the hat up on that i think scapegoating the tariffs to a little bit of a degree at the same time if you take the counter arguments out and say look you're running them off make it harder for them in an already tough environment this is just the final straw and they're out of here I get that. And then at the same time, it's like, well, you know what the... It's not the popular thing to say right now. You know what the Trump administration is going to say after that? Cool. Move Harley to Mexico. Good luck selling your Harleys back here at less than 25% tariff. But see, that's not how it's working. It's not like this whole company moves. And it's...
6: I think it's representative of what the economy is turning into, how global it is, that, you know, what they're going to do is they're they have such a big client base overseas that they're going to move some of their production overseas to accommodate those overseas clients, but there's still going to be bikes made here. Sure. So what you're really doing is you're pushing some of these bigger producers to divide up their, their businesses such that they're producing their products destined for overseas to overseas plants and keep the domestic bound products here on our, on our soil. And and so it makes me wonder, is this whole idea of trade and tariff, is it just in, you know based on an antiquated way that business was done that's no longer the future of business? I mean, for a lot of these companies like Harley, if someone in America is thinking about buying a motorcycle, they're probably considering a Harley as an option. And they're looking at all the different motorcycles they could buy. Um, we know about everyone in America knows what a Harley is. Everyone
4: in the world,
6: but as it becomes more readily available throughout the world, Harley's that's like where the Levi's, most growth man. potential is. And maybe Harley's not the best product. Maybe it's a new emerging product that we know so yeah, well. Yeah, I think here, so too. But but there's all that growth
4: potential out there. But this to me, this is one of the same things in business where if we if we were gonna go establish Mars tomorrow. Like, we're, we're going to colonize Mars, and we're going to do it with a handful of nation states similar to what you got going on here in the U.S., or in the world here on Earth. Um, well, let's lay out the rules of engagement. And you, you likely would say, well, okay, well, everybody's on, on even ground. And I err towards the side of saying, well, hey, look let's let let's let capitalism kind of play out if you settle up your region in the rainy part and you end up wanting to bottle artesian water and sell it over here into my part where i don't have that same water uh we'll pay what we pay you know that's all good um you probably wouldn't come in and just say okay well look there's a border right here and because you're a little bit behind when when your products come this way there's no fee. But when they go that way, because you're you're already better than us at that, and you don't you don't have the needs we have. So when they come back this way, we're just charging twenty-five percent more to you because you're you're already ahead of us. And I think to some degree, those are some of the deals that are in place right now where um you look at the current administration as just saying, uh, oh, some of these deals are not good deals and they need to be reworked. And obviously, I mean, every economist agrees that a trade war is not good in the short-term economy. However, that, you know, and it's also not playing nice in the sandbox, is it? Um, Think about uh, some of our allies, even, where we have introduced some of these tariff ideas and talked about our our lack of willingness to be accommodating in some of these ways anymore. It's not nice. So it's not popular. It's not giving a really sound global um, view of what the U.S., U.S. politics are about right now. But, like it or not, the United States elected a president that was supposed to go in there and shake things up, break the way of... You know, the old deals, the backroom deals, the fancy speak that people don't understand. I mean, I was reading a meme this week that said, um, if only there were a president that didn't speak so, you know, above our heads that we knew what he was, didn't know what he was saying. And I'm like, well, you got that. This, You know what this dude's saying. He repeats it to you three times and throws a believe me on the end of it. So you know exactly what he means. There's no fancy speak coming out of there. And I think they know that in the short term, these things are not good PR. They're not good initially. Um, but it's one of those things where it's kind of like the tea party thing, right? Um, I and, and maybe it's just my optimism. But I'm just hoping that it leads to some reworked deals without long-term damage, especially without running off a bunch of companies, without killing. I mean, you read these articles about middle America right now, who, who I think are, in fact, being targeted... If, if only because it's their export is agriculture, and those are the that's not that part of the country that you can you, you just, did this to us. You can't just move your farmland to another country. No, <laughs> you can't uh, exactly right. Um, but those guys, they're it's unquestionable. They're already feeling pinched, their margins are already hurting, their profits are already down. And some of these articles are like going, Hey, the landscape of agricultural America is about to shift. And may never be the same again. Um, You can't, many of the farmers out in central United States can't survive one season of losing 20% on their crop.
6: Period. Well, that's what was most scary to me when I saw that, in addition to, I think it was China, was imposing some tariffs on some agricultural products at the same time they were reducing or eliminating tariffs on the same products from other asian countries that produce those products so now the risk that it, that we're seeing here is that you know our our best trading partners open up trade avenues with other countries that fill the need that that the US used to provide and even if we do repair the relationship or come to some terms of you know, moving forward in business together that now there's just another,
4: another country in the mix. We see this in our industry, right? One of the investors makes me mad with a poor practice or just a short sighted business decision where I'm like, you shouldn't be doing this to me because I have choices. And then they call my bluff. So I go fine. And I go to another investor where I start giving them a few million dollars a month worth of business and then they come groveling back. Oh, we're real sorry. Well, guess what? Now, now I've experienced the these guys' process, and man, I got to say they're a little bit better than you at a couple things. And so I appreciate your new willingness to be accommodating to me. But I have a new relationship too, so I definitely see that. Um, you know, and it's, it's also an interesting thing too, is that. Um, like I said, those deals, and some of them are legacy deals, some of these trade agreements and things like that that just aren't great, um, probably wouldn't get written today, but they're also really hard to get rid of. Um, But it's like, it's also one of those things that probably leads your country back into having to be a little bit more self-sufficient. And sometimes at the core of that, I'm not convinced that that's a bad thing. You ever go into a store like uh, um, it's been a couple years since this has been the case for me so maybe it's not true anymore but one time I saw that Target they have like a grocery store now right inside their thing you can Mm -hmm. buy groceries wow take a cruise it looks nice actually the way they have it set up and baskets and displays and stuff like that go find a piece of fruit Or any produce in Target that comes from the United States. I'm a local producer. Find one. Yeah. Just from not even local, just the United States. There aren't. And so then I read this stuff and I'm like, wait a minute. All these guys in Iowa are bellyaching that the crap they send to China is the basis of their business, yet everything that's in my Target is coming from South America and China? Maybe we just seem to hit the reset button on who's shipping food, where, and why. That's really weird stuff. Um, and I know that at the heart of it is a whole bunch of political subsidies and kickbacks and crap deals and agreements that if you looked at it, you'd be like, what? So, I don't know. I look at the well, whole tariff thing, I'm like, like I said, I hope we win. I And when I say we, I just want people as a whole, and I'm not even saying just Americans. I want all people to win just let there be fair deals. Yeah, I agree. I
6: think like with anything like whether it's a general plan or it's a trade deal or whatever, these things need to be looked at periodically to see if they need updating, revisions, but you know, things how, change.
4: Look how unpopular it is though. Do you well, talk
6: about you, I think it's the the way approach. in which it's being pitched. The approach is but rough. Do you, can you imagine,
4: though? <laughs> is there any sexy way to do it where you're like you're talking about renegotiating NAFTA? Um, like you, when you look at a lot of these kind of things, it's like it, it's almost like it was going to take somebody <clears throat> with such little care about what you think about me to go in and just be willing to take this complete crap storm to wade through some of these things. And I don't, like I said, I, I don't even want to come off like I'm supporting this in any way. <laughs> I, You and I have talked for years about one of my favorite things about um, politics in general, but also any contest, right? Even, like, we bring this up at Raiders games. you got to love that the pendulum, that there's two competing sides and that the pendulum has that opportunity to swing and correct and sometimes it goes too far and arguably it's going too far and it hopefully settles down somewhere in the middle where um, hopefully the byproduct is not as devastating as some of this mainstream media leads us to believe that we're on the brink of full-on global financial crisis because of um, these trade agreements. And I hope it's not that dire. Uh, we'll
6: see. You- I think this is where the exciting part comes in because we're now entering the third quarter of this year. Some of these tariffs have been in effect for a month or more. Um, and so as we're expecting to see GDP numbers for the second quarter, somewhere around the 4% range. Well,
4: in that third look at quarter one, just was published this week and was downgraded now to two, right. which doesn't change much. People don't really pay attention to it because it's a third reading and whatever. It's kind of like, we, yeah, we already knew it wasn't great. Um, but looking forward now and then at, at the coming next couple readings, all eyes there. And like you yeah. said, we're Dan, interested, well, We want to see how third quarter looks in,
6: in comparison, comparison to second exactly. and what trend line we're going.
4: But uh, things like um, that. a month or so ago... Like you said, these trade, the tariffs and these things have been going on now in in place for about a month. The talk and the shots crossed the bow. It's been a couple months now. Um, Man, we were... The 10-year bond broke that 3% mark. And there was not very much reason to believe it was going to be there or below for the foreseeable time. Right Now, the 10-year closed yesterday at 2.83. So, benefiting is... Everything to do with interest rates. With borrowing.
6: Yeah. Borrowing's moved from darn near five percent on a thirty year loan down closer to four and a half. So that's the the silver lining when it comes to all this tariff talk is it's it's keeping some of the consumer interest rates depressed a little bit because of that uncertainty that's in the market right now and it keeps that money in the safe haven of bonds. So you have these
4: conversations, and many times, I remember this back in the day when we used to talk TARP and bank bailouts and all this stuff, you have these conversations where people say, well, how does this affect me? Well, in this case, it affects you because it's it's easing the pressure on interest rates a little bit. We're in an environment right now where interest rates are normalizing. They're going up to where they live their average life, and um, we're getting a brief reprieve we don 't know how deep or how long, but um, right now rates are a little bit better than they have been and I think it's because we 're in the mess of working out those things right The tariff stuff is at the at the heart of all of it today so uh anyhow that 's how it ties into this real estate and economics show that um, so we're we're happy for slightly better rates <laughs> and in I have a voodoo doll of the world economy that I like to stab painful needles into to make rates better for us <laughs> here on the Central Coast. Um, guys, if you uh, have any loan needs, if you want to buy a house or refinance a house, look at getting a lake house or um, you know even building a custom home, we're here to help you with uh, whatever those needs might be. You can find us on the web. Dan, is our new website live yet? Almost, I think so. Almost. We're working on it.
6: Having some technical
4: difficulties. So centralcoastlending.com still has all that great information. Um, probably most importantly right now, how to reach us, which is uh, one phone number to ring all of our offices, 543-LOAN, which of course now you have to dial 805. It's just going to say 805. 805-543-LOAN. Um, one number to rule them all. <laughs> Thanks much for being with us today, guys. Find some shade and sit under it today. Uh, we're dan- I can't wait to get to my truck and turn on the AC. It's only <laughs> 89 in this studio here. So have a great day. Be safe. We'll be back next week with another two-hour episode of Mortgage Matters.